of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity, helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The Best of Times, your host, Gary Kaligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Kaligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine and radio show for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. I thank you for listening to our show today and also thanking those who might be listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. Also thanking those who might be listening via the Keel application on their Apple or Android devices. We do thank AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Tenant Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer for being the exclusive sponsors of this radio show to provide you with beneficial information each and every Saturday morning. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn what men should do about their health, especially in having those routine examinations. So stay to the show for some very beneficial information for you or your loved ones. It is Saturday, July the 30th, and we are broadcasting our show from the studios of News Radio 710 Keel, a town square media station here in wonderful Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's show is not live and has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept calling questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the August issue of The Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations throughout the Shreveport, Bossier, and surrounding areas. We thank you for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. Remember, if you're unable to find a printed copy at one of our 270 distribution locations, you can always visit our popular website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view both current and past issues of our magazine for the past six years. In addition, you can view the 2022 Silver Pages Senior Resource Directory. In addition, you can listen to previously broadcast shows here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. We have great news. Our friends at Ernest Arlene's has brought back the Best of Times special dinner every Thursday from 4.30 p.m. to closing with fabulous meals at a highly discounted price of only $25. It is highly recommended due to the popularity of this Thursday Thursday night dinner special to make reservations in advance by calling 318-226-1325. Again, that's 318-226-1325. We'll be right back with more information, but now we're at my sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and ABA Sending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AERP Louisiana and Ebear Standing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas, and I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is a special guest, is Dr. John Jacob. He's with the Ostner LSU Health here in Shreveport, and I've asked him to come on our show to discuss the interesting topic of what men should know about their health and why should they plan to have routine examinations. So thank you, doctor, for taking 
taking time to join us here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Well, thank you for having me, Gary. So tell our listeners a little bit, Dr. Jacob, a little bit about your medical education experience and, and specialties. Sure. So uh, my name is John Jacob. I uh, grew up in Texarkana. I did my undergraduate at UT Austin. I did my medical school at Texas A&M, and I did my uh, residency here at LSU Shreveport. I This is now my second year as an attending physician in the outpatient setting specifically. Uh, about six months ago, we started a new uh, clinic location at the Spring Lake location for Austin LSU that's located on Line Avenue. So I am relatively new to the private practice setting. I do have the privilege of working with residents as well as the, at the main campus on Kings Highway. So oh, that, oh, that's interesting that you, I like it when other physicians help help proctor other physicians and in, in getting the, the but you got to get that little experience, right? Yes, sir. Isn't that important? So it's it's the new location on, online. You have the brand new facility, isn't it? Uh, yes, sir. It's the uh, the building with the eyeball is what people say. Yeah. Near the Twisted Root Burger, about a block up. Uh, that, exactly. So I'm sure you and your staff walk across the street a lot, right? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> wow. So uh, you, I thought this was fascinating. You didn't mention this, but I'm, I'm an engineer, so I like to mention this. You got your first degree in biomedical engineering. Oh, yes, that is correct. Was that an interesting field or what? It's definitely interesting. Um, I was definitely a lot of... Uh, math involved which i definitely loved math growing up um i definitely look forward to being able to utilize my engineering degree um in the field of medicine unfortunately during medical school and residency i didn't have that opportunity but i'm definitely looking forward to trying to implement that well you know a lot of people change fields especially me i was mentioning to you i'm an engineer and then i went into healthcare you never know and then my son likewise computer science engineer and you know you go into medical school sometimes you you don't know what's going to lead to the next next road but don't don't ever say the engineering is away from me you'll use it i I guarantee i use it when in the medical uh administrative facility and as well as to come up with interesting new ideas. So, again, I'm, I'm proud of you of that. Thank you. Um, so, uh, I found your article in our friend's publication. Um, we, we're friends, Jay Covington and all them, at 318 Forum. It was very interesting, as I'm glad you're advocating to, to men in the area, because I feel, being a moi, male myself that a lot of us are reluctant about getting examinations and are reluctant about taking care of ourselves the women tend to take more care of themselves than the men is that don't you feel that way uh, i i would agree with that yeah. and i thought your article was a, a good statement of advocating so i decided to, to contact you and lisa at lsu uh Ostner and uh, say yeah, i wonder if he's available to come speak to, to speak to our many thousands of listeners in the architects and throughout the area that might be listening us because i thought you brought up a topic that has not been discussed here on my show the past 22 years oh wow so we've talked a lot about women's health but we've never talked about men's health on my show you know sadly uh but today ladies this is going to be for your also for your significant other to share this advice i mean your your husband your boyfriend or or whomever, the member of your family that might be male, right? So, first, Doc, I wanted to ask you, uh, what have you seen the impact of COVID-19 on men's health? Well, as you mentioned, uh, men in general do not like to go get checked even before the COVID. And, of course, after COVID, uh, a lot of visits are done telehealth. So, uh, you know, virtual visits, basically, uh, I think probably within the first year after COVID, a lot of people were not coming into the clinic to be checked, and they were just being checked on the screen virtually. Uh, 
the numbers already were not as high for men getting checked. And of course, after COVID, um, it's even gotten less, uh, men are less likely to get checked. But I think, you know, now, um, you know, about two years, two and a half years out from COVID, um, men are getting a little bit more into being checked in person. Um, you know, I think with the, a lot of people getting the vaccines, uh, people are more likely to come into the clinic to be seen. So, so in in prior COVID days, I don't remember the statistics, but it feels like to me a lot of people might have had COVID and waited and waited to exacerbate it. It got to an nth degree where they couldn't breathe, right? Their oxygen levels were down so low they had to be admitted, right? Correct. So they wouldn't even come to the clinic necessarily. They'd just go straight to the urgent care or the ER or the hospital. But, Correct. you know, and we, we know some experience. If you treat any kind of disease early, you've got to have a better outcome. But a lot of them procrastinated. And, you know, when I had COVID the first time, uh, luckily, and I I didn't have one, but I got one quickly as pulse uh, oxygen and I monitored my oxygen level. But, but a lot of people don't even think about that, uh, about monitoring it, especially when they have any type of, of illness or sickness at home. Uh, that's yeah, that's uh, that's correct. So I, the point of, you know, uh, people coming into the clinic is uh, primary prevention. So to help you know minimize the chances of you developing a disease, you know, whether it's uh, covid, high blood pressure, diabetes, things along those lines. The idea is to stay on top of your health to where you don't get to that point. That's correct. Okay, so here's a uh, one of your your first items was blood pressure. I I will well pick on a few young people that I know mm-hmm. that who think they're all invincible. They go out in the gym, but they don't ever think they have blood pressure problems because most of them don't even check have known what their blood pressure is. is that true? That that is correct. Yes, and they might be having early stages of, of of hypertension, and they may not know it, right? Even though you may be perfectly good at at the gym and do all the power lifting and do all the f- five minute miles. Absolutely. So, family history, ethnicity that those are all you know risk factors that play into it. Even as you said, if somebody is just uh, healthy, working out. That does not make them uh, immune to not having high blood pressure. So, how early, uh, how early should should someone be tested for blood pressure? Their blood pressure reading. So, there are different guidelines out there, of course, but I think as a good rule of thumb, from what I've observed in training and in my practice, anytime you get you go to the doctor, you're getting your blood pressure checked automatically. So, I think just getting in to see the doctor once a year for your annual checkup even if nothing is necessarily having to be addressed, will give you the opportunity to have your blood pressure checked and monitored and you know have discussions for plans if uh, medication needs to be started or things along those lines. And so I mentioned that when physicians take individuals H&P, their history and physical, that's one of the primary purpose. Did your father, mother, other people have blood pressure issues, right? Because it is hereditary. Correct. Not true? That is correct. And that's why I, I know of some patients who say, why did the doctor ask me all the past history of my whole family? And you tell them why. Yeah, so, um, you know, family history definitely plays a role into this. Um, you know, family history of heart disease, you know, uh, if your parents had heart attacks, there's a good chance you might um, have a strong disposition to developing cardiac disease. So, um, you know, it's important, you know, blood work to be done in a reasonable time, vitals are checked in a reasonable time, and that you can catch this early on to help minimize any potential progression of the disease. So explain to our listeners why treating hypertension early is critical. 
So blood pressure has multiple long-term complications. Uh, it can affect your eyes, like your vision. It can affect your kidneys. Um, it can affect your heart. Uncontrolled uh, blood pressure can lead to strokes, heart attacks, kidney disease, uh, things along those lines. So what about diabetes? If somebody has diabetes or doesn't have, could, could blood pressure be an indication of possible diabetic? So they they do kind of uh, go hand in hand in terms of comorbidities. Uh, they both put you at risk for, uh, you know, so diabetes can put you at risk for uh, uncontrolled heart disease, uh, strokes, things along those lines. And uh, yes, they are uh, both considered significant risk factors for long term complications. So, Doc, when people come visit you and visit your nurses there, do they ever mention? Oh, my blood pressure is high because I used to use this excuse. It's, it's the white coat syndrome because my blood pressure is high because I'm extremely nervous and tense because I see all these people in white lab jackets. Do you ever hear that one? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I usually try to ask the patient if they can write down their list of blood pressure readings um, at home. And if they are able to do that and they show me multiple readings and, you know, of course that's a different discussion, but most of the time, as you said, they just say their blood pressure is high in the clinic, but they don't have any data to show me otherwise that it was normal somewhere else. And or, that's where the problem is. Or I ate a big salty meal before I came to see you. Did not that, fast. That the, the, the other excuse. I'm just giving <laughs> a, a true indications of people, including myself, they've done in the past. Uh, you know, luckily today mine was perfect. The doctor said, wow, I'm impressed. And uh, so you never know. It fluctuates. I mentioned blood pressure does fluctuate, even in, in young people in open. It, it goes up and down, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it can affect, you know, it. sometimes your blood pressure will be different when you wake up, when you go to sleep, when you're going to the gym. Um, you know, ideally, um, if you can just get your blood pressure checked by going to see the doctor once a year, if you don't have any medical problems, that's great. Um you know, if you do have a concern for your blood pressure, you can always use the blood pressure machines like at the pharmacies. Right. That's a good uh, step as well. I I mean, of course, it would be nice if you could just buy one, which is over the counter. I believe it's like $20, $30. But if you don't want to take that step, at least just go see the doctor or just go to a place that can check your blood pressure for free. One more, one more question about pulse, pulse rate. What is a normal, is there a no, such thing as a normal pulse, pulse rate? Pulse rate. So an ideal heart rate is between 70 to 100. Uh, if you're in below 60 is considered bradycardia so slow heart rate if you're above 110 that's considered tachycardia or high uh, heart rate so below what is that what does that indicate below if you're in the 50s 60s so rest, resting this might be resting it could just be resting you know athletes of course can have slower heart rates it doesn't necessarily mean that you have a disease state but that but you know it is important that we do get a good history to see as to why uh, somebody might have an abnormal heart rate. Okay, so that could, that could lead to more interesting tests, or or you could be on medications that would bring it down. That's true? correct. Yes, and certain blood pressure medications affect pulse rate. Right, correct. right. So you you need to ask your physician if you've been monitoring it, and it goes be too low. It could be based upon what medication you're taking, as well as new medications that sometimes have those weird side effects included. That. So let's go into moving into cholesterol, which is a big topic now these days, and probably been a long time. Is getting your cholesterol check and tell 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 listeners why is that important? So um, high cholesterol can um, lead to 
heart disease, which can lead to heart attacks, which can lead to you having stents put in your heart or having a bypass surgery. Uh, that's one of the most immediate that's one of the most well-known uh, complications of having high cholesterol. It also puts you at risk for diabetes. Uh, it also, you know, if you have a history of high uh, cholesterol, it also puts you at risk for having high disease, uh, high blood pressure as well. Um, can also predispose you for having stroke as well. Um, peripheral vascular disease. Uh, there's just so many different complications that can occur if your high cholesterol is not checked frequently and it's not addressed appropriately so in in your article that you wrote for um the forum you said it to test or are you ama aha recommends it beginning at 20 years of age wow i can i can't remember when i first got my cholesterol i think i was in my 40s probably in your 40s yeah so you know there are different guidelines <laughs> out there but um you know but it might be good to get it early it may yeah be I, I don't see a harm in getting it done early especially like you know if you're obese that's a huge risk factor a family history of high cholesterol those are definitely you know it's definitely important to know what the risk factors are for a patient and if they do meet you know, some of the risk factors, it's definitely recommended to do it early. So as a physician, what would you recommend when somebody has um, middle to high? Do you try the diet first or you try the medications first? Um, I usually, you know, I, of course, I factor in their history. I uh, There's something called an ASCVD score, which I calculate. Based on that, um, you know, I can I give them the recommendations. I usually ask the patient, you know, what their preference is, known as shared decision-making, um, and if they tell me they want to work in their diet and exercise regimen, then usually we'll just recheck the cholesterol during the next visit. Um, it is important to keep in mind that whenever you do get your cholesterol checked, it is ideal if you're fasting. So if you're not eating or drinking anything that day. So that can, you know, of course, if you go to McDonald's in the morning and then you get your cholesterol checked in the afternoon, some of your numbers might not necessarily be accurate for that day. And they may be, may be higher or lower? Uh, <coughs> most of the time it should be higher, huh? It's going to be higher. But and so that gives a false reading. Correct. So it is important to make sure that if you do get it checked, make sure you are fasting. Okay. The uh, the other aspect is when is it when did you as physician recommend to the the any any person that has in cholesterol issues giving the so called statins? I heard that's the that's the almost like, I hate to say the cure all, but it's the it's the Step two, right? Step two. So, um, you know, there is a calculator called the ASCVD score. Uh, If their score is higher than 7.5%, I usually start them on a uh, low-dose statin. If it's greater than 20%, then we're considering doing a medium or high-intensity statin. If they have uh, some specific comorbidities, so, for example, if they're diabetic, even if their cholesterol is Stone cold, stone cold normal, we will still put them on a statin. So what does a statin do? Uh, the statin, there are different types of cholesterol. There is LDL, HDL, triglycerides. The statins help specifically lower your LDL, but they do have effects on the other types of cholesterol. So the LDL is considered the bad cholesterol, so it basically lowers the bad cholesterol. Okay, interesting. Anything further by cholesterol that you give our advice is to stay away from those bad fats, right? Yeah, stay away from uh, fast foods. Try to stay away from uh, the sugary sodas. Uh, I'm guilty of it as well. But, uh, you know, try to exercise um, at least 30 minutes a day for five days a week. So the goal is to have 150 minutes of exercise per week. Um, You know, and that's, you know, if you could 
walk or jog that would be ideal but you know even if it just starts with you just walking outside for you know 10 minutes three times a day you know and just trying to work it that way so um testicular cancer he said is not common however one in every 250 men will develop it during their lifetime wow i thought that was interesting it's not common but they will develop it right correct it is so it is important to you know make sure you self-examine yourself if you notice any new lesions or bumps or anything out of the ordinary you know just first start by just seeing your regular doctor and if your regular doctor is suspicious of any abnormalities you know we can order imaging or we can refer them to the correct specialist to be evaluated so is it is it generally done a request or is it only when the patient comes in the men come in and say i've got a certain i've self-examined is it normally looked at normally checked uh normally it's done at the patient's request like if they specifically say they'd like to have a testicular examination or if they say that there is a uh abnormality that they've noticed but like anything doc is it true if you catch it early it's better than waiting till the the node of the lump gets oh humongous yeah you know it's important to try to if you see something wrong early on as a patient to notify your doctor and that way uh the appropriate workup to be performed in a timely manner and is is that type of of cancer through all ages or is it older men or younger is it what has generally been found uh, I would say it's usually in the middle age, like in the uh, 50s to 60s. But, you know, that being said, it can still affect all distributions. Um, so, you know, if at any point there is a concern on the patient's behalf, I would urge them to let their doctor know about it. Okay. Moving right along to another topic that you brought up is skin cancer screening. Self-exams again, initially. But that's a tough one to determine, right? Yes, so but I would rather oh I would rather have the patient um, discuss with the physician their concerns even if it's not necessarily a uh, a cancerous diagnosis if the patient thinks it's abnormal I would rather them bring it up with the physician than you know not bring it up at all. So especially if they have let's say a particular lesion or wound that hasn't been healing a while, right? Yes, or if there's any family history of skin cancers like melanoma, squamous cell carcinoma. Oh, cell I never thought of that. Okay, so that should be a definite question uh, on the age. History is def- is a definitely a risk factor as well. So, so you as, as as a physician, when you see this, you do follow ups, or do you tell the patient they need to go see a specialist, or how is it done? So um, usually, what I'll do, um, you know, I'll observe the lesion um i usually take a picture of it put it into the chart in their physical exam uh if it's something that i see is acutely concerning um we do have a dermatologist now dr haas so we will send a referral to dr haas i think the family medicine service also has a skin clinic as well so if it's something that i think might need a biopsy or closer monitoring or additional recommendations i would usually put a referral in but you know tell them tell them the seriousness of a particular skin cancer i mean i was i was shocked over uh, over the years how how serious that could be so uh you know, skin cancer prevents uh, presents in so many different uh, forms and fashions. Um, there's not necessarily one uh, way to diagnose it, uh, but it is important to get a biopsy of a lesion that is concerning. So if it has irregular borders, changes in color, changes in size, those are some of the things to look out for as a patient. 
And, you know, these are associated with different medical problems. So, you know, diabetes, for example, heart disease, uh, you know, GI problems, you know, they, a lot of these uh, medical problems can have skin cancers as comorbid presentations. Oh, so, so a person that's diabetic, their wounds might not be able to be healed quick enough. That is correct. Could, it yes. could become cancerous. Oh, I've never thought of that one as well. That's a b- b- very good advice. So it, it's good to do itself, but if, if, if uh, you visit your physician routinely, which we're trying to advocate, men of all ages, if you find these conditions, you should be brought, brought up to the physician as well. Correct. So hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour. You're on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors, Sunday Country S. Report, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Key. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and A Bears Sunday Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Caligas, and I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show as a special guest is Dr. John Jacob with Ostner LSU Health here in Shreveport, and he's discussing the topic of what men should know about their health, and why should they plan to have those routine examinations. So thank you, Doctor, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Thank you for having me. So in continuing our, our advocation here, of advocating to our listeners, it's important that they, they get routine examinations. I mean, even the young males as well as older people like me, uh, at least annually, right? Yes, annually is ideal, and you know, based on what the physician observes, it might need to be more than annual on the future follow-ups, but at least annual would be ideal. And, and at all ages, I mean, I'm, the young people tell me, no, I haven't seen a physician in six years. So, I mean, that's sad. That never, never know what could have happened, what could exacerbate in those six years, correct? That's absolutely correct. So it's important that uh, they should get now to avoid those particular problems in, in the future. So in continuing our discussion about men's issues here, uh, colorectal cancer, Okay. So if you're for, you mentioned if you're 45 years of age or under and your family has a history of colon cancer, you still should talk to your doctor and whether you should undergo a colonoscopy. Is that true? That is correct. So there, the initially the guidelines were age 50, but I think in the last year or two, the guidelines have changed to starting the screening at the age of 45. So the reason they changed that is because there was more incidences? I think, I think that probably has to do a lot with that, with the incidences, um, you know, getting a proper family history of colon cancer. Um, one thing I will say is if there is a family history of colon cancer uh, and somebody had colon cancer at the age of 50, um, the screen needs to begin 10 years prior to the diagnosis. So in this situation, if somebody was diagnosed at 50, screening needs to begin at 40. Okay. Um, so t- tell our, our listeners that the screening is, is done to prevent what? So uh, colon cancer uh, prevents, you know, presents in different uh, forms. So you can have uh, like bloody stools, you can have weight loss, uh, fevers, night sweats, um, you know, persistent discomfort. Uh, colon cancer can also potentially spread to other areas of your body. 
So it is important to get the colonoscopy. If there are any lesions detectable on the colonoscopy, usually a biopsy will be done by the person doing the scope, and that will be determined whether it's uh, benign, pre-malignant, or malignant. So, doctor, I, I hear. Uh, um, I I want you to give your professional judgment on this. I see advertisements on TV. It says send a stool sample to some company, and they'll determine if you have colon cancer or you have potential for colon cancer. Is is that adequate? Yeah, so I think what you're referring to is uh, the fecal aminochemical test. So that is considered uh, a potential uh, way for doing colon cancer screening. Of course, with those, I think you have to have it done every three to five years. Now, as a physician, I would recommend to have the colonoscopy because these tests do not actually see you know, like the masses or polyps. Like if you do have masses or polyps, these tests will not necessarily detect that. So what do they detect? Blood in the stool? They basically detect blood in the stool. Which could be uh, from any part of the any part of the area, right? Correct. So that is not necessarily specific for colon cancer. You know, somebody could be on certain medications such as Pepto Bismol or, you know, ibuprofen or medications that just increase your risk of bleeding. So if they're already in a blood thinner, such as Coumadin oh. or Eliquis. So there are different things that can cause... So it's a false, could give a false positive that could leave the person in a panic stage, right? That's correct. And yeah. I think with the colonoscopy, there is, you know, once the colonoscopy is done, they have looked through everything that needs to be looked through, and they have determined if there's any concerning masses, which unfortunately you will not get that with any other type of study. Well, I've been there, done that several times. I just hope the physicians and the medical technology in the world improves the procedure of before the prep, before the colonoscopy. I mean, there's got to be a more better way to do this. But, um, uh, you know, I, I survived four of them or three of them I've done so far. But uh, hopefully you physicians out there can come up with something new. Use mechanical engineering. There's got to be some procedure you could come up with. <laughs> that that's the worst part. I didn't mind the I didn't mind the colon up. They you know they put you partly under. You don't know what's going on. But before that, you are you are with no going on. So so again, the guidelines have changed, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. That uh, hopefully their physicians are telling them about how now possibly sooner. They need to get a uh, colonoscopy before. Then most people said, "I'll wait till I'm sixty or seventy to get one." Right? Correct. Okay. Moving, moving right along, prostate cancer, which um, of course you hear a lot about that. And um, getting so, how early should men get prostate screening? So there have been. Uh, this is a very controversial topic. Um, we like to do something known as shared decision making. Um, so the patient, if there is a family history of prostate cancer, that is definitely um, a recommendation for the patient to let the physician know about that and to consider prostate cancer screening. Uh, prostate cancer actually has a low mortality rate compared to other types of cancers, and this is why it's a controversial issue because sometimes you can have false positives and false negatives if you try to work on something too fast, and it might actually be positive when it's negative or um Sometimes it can lead to unnecessary diagnoses, biopsies, and following labs that aren't necessarily needing to be followed if you're not symptomatic. Now, that being said, um, if the patient requests to have it checked 
we will absolutely check it. Um, but at the same time, if a patient is not symptomatic and they're not wanting to have their prostate cancer checked, then that is okay as well. Well, the other interesting, the, 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 the procedure, which is still done, which is another interesting thing. I'm, I wonder how long that's been around the test, the rectal exam, right? Correct. Yeah. So I have very rarely been using having to do the rectal exams. Um, a lot of times the patients will decline it if it's offered. Um, but usually if we do need to do prostate cancer screening, we'll usually get a PSA level and monitor the PSA level. And if the PSA level is um, rising or doubling in a quick manner, then usually we'll have a specialty service such as urology uh, involved for further evaluation. So explain all this. It's, it's a blood draw. It's a specific blood draw. And what is what is what is it determined? Uh, it's called prostate-specific antigen, so it's basically a blood marker of your prostate level. Um, so basically, it's important to know the trend of the PSA level. So there, people have different B- PSA numbers, but if the value doubles in more than a year, uh, that oh. can be concerning. So there is a baseline. So that's why when you go into your physician for routine, they're, they're testing, they're comparing it to prior tests. Correct. And now, the- each person's number might be different to start with but the importance is knowing what the change is one year later so and that is indicating what there's possible cancer that's possible cancer uh it could just be that you have something known as benign prostatic hypertrophy obstructions can also falsely elevate the psa levels so you know regardless it is important to have this further worked up and that is where the urology service would uh, come in and give their opinion as well as to whether or not a biopsy needs to be performed uh, versus just ruling out obstruction. So men over 50 generally get this routinely, the PSA? Uh, usually I would bring up the, this, you know, I would bring up about the prostate cancer screening. I let the patient decide. I make sure that there's not any family history of prostate cancer. If there's no family history of, prost- of prostate cancer and the patient, you know, prefers to not have this worked up, then usually I respect the patient's wishes in that situation. But, well, I mean, it's it's an important aspect because a lot of us get benign prostatic uh, hypertrophy. Right. So it's important. So that can be treated, right, if it's not cancerous. Absolutely. There are medications for that. Uh, Flomax is one of the most common uh, medications for that. Um, you know, getting your blood pressure under control. Um, sometimes it might be, you know, a urological procedure might need to be done to make sure that obstruction is relieved. But yes, there are different treatments for obstruction. So it's not just cancerous. I'm just going to say Correct. that the screening may determine something else involved in there. And the patient may or may not know that, or they they might have some uh, sensations, but still, it might it, 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 there may be a need for it. Right? Correct. Well, that, that's, I've learned something already, myself. So hold that thought. We'll be right back with more information. But now we're from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana Neighbors. Today, Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Gary Kaligas will be right back with more Best of Times Radio Hour after this on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Gary's back with more Best of Times Radio Hour on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by AARP Louisiana and Bears Tending Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Kaligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. 
Joining me on my show is a Dr. John Jacob with Austin LSU Health here in Shreveport, and he's discussing the topic of what men should know about their health and why should they plan to have those routine examinations. So thank you, Dr. Jacob, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. You've been quite educational. I've learned a lot myself. We're going to talk about some of the other health checks that men should consider doing. Uh, you mentioned one is about thyroid hormone levels. Why is that important? So um, men can present with different symptoms of changes in thyroid. There's hypothyroid, which is low thyroid activity, hyperthyroid, which is high thyroid activity. They can present with different spectrums. So, you know, having high thyroid activity like hair, hair loss, weight loss, um, you know, decreased sex drive, for example, is hypothyroidism. Uh, changes in skin tone uh, can also be hypothyroidism. Um, changes in sex drive, erectile dysfunction, that can also be related to changes in thyroid activity. Oh, so that's important that that, that physician occasionally. Do, do you listen to the patient when you do their symptoms checked? Um, if they mention these things, or do you have to pull it out of them? <laughs> um, sometimes patients will volunteer it, and you know I will say that I think usually patients will admit when they have like erectile dysfunction, they're like, you know, doc, can I get some Viagra? And then you know I have some, you know, hold on, you know, we need to get some more information. We need it. Get True. some more information on that. We can't just jump to giving me Viagra. <laughs> well, that, that's important. Well, th- just a, a, a quick, I uh, got the opportunity to to uh, go through a medical school training of how your physicians interview patients. I thought that was fascinating. And we, we had that doctor many years ago on the show. It's, it's amazing how, and they had um, um uh, actors that would come in for us, the, the lay people, to test with them. It was tough to determine what was going on, but they would not provide the. And you're supposed to quiz them and pull it out of them. I feel for physicians. Even today, I, I when I visit all my physicians, I feel for them. Now I almost write everything down so I can make sure to get remember everything to tell them, right. which very few patients probably do that, but Gary does. And, and Dr. Flake was very impressed with today. I had everything all written out for him. So uh, he, exactly, he could go right through it real quick. So moving on, uh, what about what about help stress tests and evaluation? How often should men get that test, or how early should they get it tested? So, um, you know, men that have chest pain, um, you know, should definitely be evaluated. Uh, if it's they think it's urgent, I would definitely advise them to go to the urgent care or ER setting. If it's um, something that they have not been seen and they're seeing the doctor, I would definitely recommend that they let the doctor know if they're having chest pains, you know, make sure, you know, if you can try to give a description, you know, does it happen all the time? Does it happen sometimes? You know, when do you notice this chest pain? Is it like when you're exerting yourself? Is it like when you're laying down, sitting up? You know, is it associated with certain activities? Um, it would also be ideal to know if there's any family history of any heart problems as well. You know, going back, you know, if it, um, if your parents, for example, had a heart attack or if they've had stents put in or if they've had a bypass surgery, that definitely puts you at risk for having cardiac disease. Um, so we would usually start by getting a baseline EKG if they report any symptoms of chest pain, chest discomfort, shortness of breath. Um, and usually the stress test, if the EKG shows something positive, we would recommend to try to do a stress test. If they have the ability to exercise, we would do something called an exercise stress test. If they do not have the ability to you know, walk on a treadmill, then we would do something called a nuclear medicine stress test. Okay. And, uh, you know, again, I would mention that this is only like if a patient is having symptoms or if there's a history of um, cardiac disease. 
And we can also do something called a heart score, which is calculated, which there's a calculator and you input the different, uh, when they ask you the different questions, you input the information and based on the heart score, that also helps us. And helps you evaluate whether they possibly might need that and well, get it screened. So one, one other aspect, when they come in for the routine examinations, we mentioned annually or shouldn't men, which they tend to forget, is to bring to their physician what medication they're on and what other uh, supplements they're on as well? Yes. Yeah, so um, if you're seeing the doctor for the fir- especially for the first time, and I would say every time you see the doctor, please bring your list of medications or please just bring them in a in a bag and just you know give them to the doctor. That way the doctors can verify everything. There are a lot of over-the-counter medications that can interact with prescribed medications. So it is important for us as physicians to know even those over-the-counter medications. Especially if they're seeing multiple physicians and multiple specialties, right? Absolutely. You don't you don't automatically know what they're what somebody may be in the urology department being taken of the doctor, right? That is correct. We are relying on the patients to bring all of their medications uh, for every visit and if for some reason they cannot bring the medications, if they can bring the medication list or at least tell the physicians, you know, that they got started on this medicine or at least tell us, like, uh, the name of the doctor that they saw for us to try to get the records. And, and the important thing is either whatever physician you go to, they're, you're knowledgeable, you're knowledge base is you can determine any kind of side effects or you know why are you taking this and sometimes you might ask you know you're taking two of the similar type medications from two different doctors right correct and that would be that would cause some interesting side effects possibly absolutely you're taking bubble dose which you should be only taking one of those doses exactly so uh I, I thought another one that you mentioned in here is watch your calorie uh, content your calories um Watch your your calorie intake. How? Why? Why is that important? So it's definitely important to watch your calories because if you go over your calorie threshold, or if you're not exercising, um, you know that can lead to obesity. Obesity can put you at risk for you know different medical problems like diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, cardiac disease. Um, you know, there's a lot of apps now on the phone. Um, you know, if you just type like carb counter, um, you know, even if you have a few bad meals sometimes there's so many different uh apps these days so you know for example if somebody had a big mac there's an option for you to click big mac and it tells <laughs> you the number of calories that you had eating that big mac or the number of calories you had they know exactly so uh, there's just so many apps these days so you don't necessarily have to like you know i know of course probably in your time there's probably like the books that you have to like look down cheeseburger and then write down the calories and try to calculate it but there's so many different apps these days and you know you can just say what brand of food that you're eating and usually there's a whole bunch of pop-ups and then i think it's really easy to keep track of your calories now okay what about just depression screenings how early should men get those so I think at any point, uh, if there's any concerns for depression, anxiety, changes in behavior from the norm, stresses at work, stresses with family, anytime you feel like there's a change in your baseline behavior, I think that should this should be reported to your physician. You know, whether you're 21, 51, 71, um, and at that point, you know, we can get more information. Of course, it's nice to know when this behavior started you know what measures have been tried 
Um, sometimes it's as simple as getting them to a mental health counselor so that they have somebody to talk to. And, you know, in these situations, they may not necessarily need medication. Um, of course, there are some situations where they need to be started on medications. There are some situations where, unfortunately, people can have suicidal thoughts or homicidal thoughts. And if they do have suicidal thoughts or homicidal thoughts, then it's not as simple as the doctor telling the patient, oh, you know, well, you can go home. Well, you know, at that point, the patient needs to be seen by the ER. They need to be evaluated by the psychiatry service. Quickly. Quickly. Um, You know, it's important to make sure that they're not having, you know, any immediate thoughts of hurting somebody or themselves. And lastly, I thought one of your 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 suggestions, which everybody should do, but I still I still see a lot of people smoking of all ages, smoking, and then I hear these young people say, "I'm vaping, I'm not smoking." So it's it's a similar. It, it has a similar bad effect on you, really. Doesn't vaping is bad? Yeah. So I mean, vaping can still have the same effects as smoking. Of course, I don't think it's as bad as smoking, but it still has. A degree of impact on your life mortality it can still affect your mortality in a negative so when you suggest to patients about they should quit smoking do you get a lot of negative feedback so a lot of patients don't want to quit um so some of the recommendations i give to them you know we can start them on a nicotine patch nicotine gum there are some oral medications available such as wellbutrin and chantix uh there are different options the other options are if they want to just do something cold turkey for example you know if they smoke one pack a day I'll just ask him, you know, I think a pack has 20 cigarettes. I'll say, you know, can we go from 20 to 15 this next week? And then can we go from 15 to 10 and maybe have it, have them cut it down that way? Wow, that's a good idea. I never thought of that one. That's a good one. Uh, There are, you know, there's different options. Um, You know, unfortunately, uh, I, I think the biggest thing is just trying to get the patient to either take a medication to try to cut down or have them willing to cut it down themselves. There's also smoking cessation programs if they don't want to take any medication now, I will say between the ages of 50 to 80, if they have a 20-packer smoking history, we usually do a lung cancer screening, which is a low-dose CT scan that the patient goes through on a yearly basis to check for lung nodules. So thank you, doctor, for joining us today. So if our my listeners out there and their loved ones want to contact you, what's the phone number? Um, if they can contact the Spring Lake uh clinic office and the number i got is 318-626-4242 that sounds right so if you want to schedule an appointment with me at the spring lake clinic that would be a good number 318-626-4242 that's dr jacob dr jacob and john jacob i mean i think we met did i mention your first name yeah i did i'm sorry so again thank you thank you for being on our show today you're quite informative and best wishes and best luck to you and your continuing practice and lovely like it that and liking in this report and bojo surrounding area and nearby in Texarkana. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Remember, everyone, to tell your friends and family members to listen to our show next Saturday morning for information that could benefit them or their loved ones. Don't forget to pick up your personal copy of The Best of Times at one of our 270 distribution locations. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Thank you again for listening to our show. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Be sure to tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. for more Best of Times. This is 1017 FM and 710 Keel.